0: Good morning, Vietnam. No, we've been gone for a while. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, welcome back to the Wagner Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Colin Guarini, your co-host, joined by my colleague, Nick Musto. Nick, it's January 19th. We're in the heart of playoffs. We've been gone for two weeks. I think it's a hangover for us. You know, a little after-season depression is on our yeah. hands. And thus it's a little less incentivizing to get in front of the microphone and talk about the game that we love that we no longer have.
1: It's, it's bittersweet because I hate waiting for fantasy football season, um, longest seven months of the year, but it's also nice to be able to watch football without having any ulterior motives other than my parlays that I end up throwing five minutes before the game starts. Um, It's nice to just be a fan of football for once instead of cheering for players and against players.
0: Now you know my world. I am apolitical with the NFL. I do not give a shit who wins, who loses. I don't have a dog in the fight. No favorite team. So every game I get to look with clear eyes and just enjoy the football on the field. Certainly I love players like I... We're both Penn State fans. I root for any Nittany Lion out there, and mm-hmm. some guys like Tony Pollard. I have a personal connection to because I, they're exciting players to watch. Um, but it's really nice not having a dog in the fight, is it?
1: It, it is. I, I mean, man, I, I wish I wish my Steelers were were here. But it's cool to just watch the teams that did make it. I love playoff football in general, so.
0: So now that we can look at everything in retrospect, everything, hindsight 2020, right? Everything looks so uh, vivid. And of course, this played out how it did during the 2022 fantasy football season. But -hmm. there are some names that we didn't see in the preseason and all through training camp. We didn't give a chance. Or perhaps we gave them too much optimism and too much hope. And we put too many eggs in that basket and not enough allocated in these empty baskets that ended up just crushing the season. So we're going to talk about our biggest overachievers and underachievers today. Nick, I'd like you to kick it off with your biggest overachiever at the quarterback position.
1: Yeah, I think uh, this is almost a unanimous pick here. It's Geno Smith. I mean, QB 35 in the offseason, so even in... um two QB leagues he was one of the last guys to go like no one was expecting him to perform anywhere near a QB one yet he finished as a top half QB one he was QB five on the season just shot out of a cannon 17 touchdowns in the first 10 games slowed down a bit with uh, three single touchdown games uh, to end the season or right before the end of the season sorry I guess week 18 he did have a good game but we're all done playing fantasy by then anyways. Made the playoffs look great, and that was with a weak O-line. They had two starting rookie tackles on this offensive line, and they did well. They weren't bad. Kenneth Walker was a good running back in his rookie season. The receivers, Cap and Lockett, played great. I think that if this O-line improves and their defense, not we don't talk about defense as much on this podcast, but Tariq Wolin, freak of a corner, um, great rookie pick. I think this team has a lot of growth in its future and next year, I don't see them doing any worse than they did this year. than they did this year, next year. I think they're going to improve that line's going to get better. Gino is going to throw for, if not the same, you'll be happy if he finishes the QB five again. Um, so I think that top 12 QB next season is in his radar.
0: I like how we all thought we were fooled with drew lock being the starting quarterback in Seattle. That is why Gino wasn't even drafted as a starting quarterback on his team because it, it was a heated debate all mm-hmm. throughout the, the offseason until we got closer to training camp and to the preseason. And Pete Carroll rolled with the right guy. Gino he led the league, complete, completing near 70% of his passes. Seattle has an interesting predicament on their hands. I expect them to extend Gino Smith. He is a free agent. However, he's 32. They have a top five pick already from the Denver Broncos in this draft. I I think the Seattle team is very young and hopeful for the future, and it's curious to see if they choose to build around a young quarterback and choose to draft one in this draft. Did they get two first-rounders from the Broncos? They definitely got multiple. I'm not sure what years they are. I think
1: it's this year and next year, honestly, but I could be wrong. Um, I, I think they also stated that they would be bringing Geno back, whether that's in a backup form or a starting role form. I'm not sure, but I think he's going to remain a Seahawk.
0: Come on. He definitely deserves to start. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you can't tell me that man doesn't deserve to keep his job. They made playoffs and they were supposed to be one of the worst teams this year. And mm-hmm. They weren't. Um, that team definitely gelled together, right? And look at his receiving core. I mean, it's an elite receiving core. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, as one of the best duos in the league. Uh, Definitely an interesting uh, skill group to build around if they do choose to get a rookie quarterback uh, with their highly allotted pick this year. But if they side with Geno still, I still think they're in great hands. I agree. My biggest overachiever at quarterback is Justin Fields. He started the year looking like a real-life bust. Three touchdowns, five turnovers through the first four games of the season. Many were writing him off, but he dug his heels in then, and we saw this young man display great leadership, accept responsibility for the bad play. He cleaned his act up. Week six started an eight-game streak as a weekly top-eight quarterback. The former Buckeye was the number one quarterback from weeks five to 13. He really progressed as a passer and rusher as the season went along. Fantasy players, fantasy owners, last offseason, before the season, we were debating between Trey Lance and Justin Fields as the high-stakes, young, dual-threat fantasy quarterback. While the latter had the second-most rushing yards in league history and finished as an elite fantasy quarterback this year, drafted as a QB 17, smashed that, finishing as a QB 6, highlighted by two 40-point Performances midseason. He just dominated. He was a waiver ad midway through the year. Uh, kudos to Justin Fields. He, I think he's a really talented star, and this is just a start for him.
1: Yeah, even without, I mean, I, you can't say the same for Jalen Hurts this year because he's been great through the air. Um, but his previous two seasons, he almost did nothing through the air, and he, had, he was a fantasy starter because of his rushing baseline. Um, and I think that's where Justin Fields is at this point in his career. He's not not going to win a game with his arm, but he can definitely put up a ton of fantasy points with his legs, and the arm will develop if he follows that same path that Hurts is. I know the Bears have a lot of cap space heading in this offseason, and one of the receivers they're looking to acquire is DeAndre Hopkins, who the Cardinals said they won't be bringing back. Um, so this that could be – a huge help for Fields with him, Mooney, and Claypool on that receiving core. That improves it a lot more.
0: He only completed more than 17 passes in one game this year. Definitely most of the damage is inflicted with those big, strong, meaty legs of his. Those quads. (laughs) Your biggest underachiever, the guy that was drafted way too high this year at the quarterback position.
1: All right. uh, Herbert, Justin Herbert going QB three in drafts, oftentimes QB two. I know we debated him as one or two with Josh Allen and we both foolish. What's that? It
0: was foolish of us. It was foolish
1: because neither of them, but did Allen finish top? I don't know. That's regardless of the point. Herbert did not finish anywhere near QB three. It was QB 11. A lot of bad games this season. A lot of people blame it on, Uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams being injured the majority of the season. It was rare that they were both on the field at the same time, other than the few games to end the season. Um, Keenan Allen missed the majority of the beginning of the season, and Williams was on and off with an ankle injury, and then he fractured his back in the last game of the regular season, so they didn't have him for their playoff run. Um, Austin Eckler led the team in receptions. That's not what you want uh, for your quarterback that you're drafting third overall at the position in fantasy. You don't want him targeting his running back more than any receiver that limits big plays. It helps the running back a lot as Eckler finished as the RB one on the season. But I think there are better days to come. Mike Williams will be healthy. Keenan Allen, although he's aging, is still great. He, when he played this season, he was fantastic. Um, And I would expect them to bring in someone soon Um, add another receiver addition to this offense. And they also got rid of Lombardi, which a lot of people blame many of the offensive struggles on him and his poor play calling um for example in their playoff game your elite running back austin eckler gets 13 carries when you're up 27-0 at halftime that doesn't make sense that limits herbert if they just don't they don't play the game correctly and lombardi has been in and out of locker rooms his entire career as a head coach so i would expect them to bring in someone who will boost Herbert's ability. He's a top five quarterback in the NFL. I would expect him to be fine next season, but this year he was a bust.
0: Three of the first games, he eclipsed 21 points. He didn't hit the 20-point mark again until week 12, and that was his only time over 19.7 points for the rest of the year. It was a a fluttering season for the third-year quarterback, and you have to look at the rushing production. In his first two years, he had eight rushing touchdowns, This past year, didn't find the end zone at all. And you also have to look at, he attempted 699 passes this year. Way too reliant, that offense. Their running game wasn't established enough. It it lost its dynamacy. And was that a word? Dynamacy? I don't think so. (laughs) It is now. It is now.
1: Yeah. But the still, touchdowns t- is what hurt him, I think. Just very down 25 as opposed to 38 last season. That, that's the difference maker. That's a touchdown a game. Um, if you lose those, you're not going to be QB three.
0: Right. I'll pick on an older guy as my biggest underachiever at quarterback. That's Aaron Rodgers. He was drafted as a QB nine in most drafts. He finished as a QB 13. So, I mean, he's right outside of that top 12 range. I could list a lot of names here. Lamar, Kyler, Dak, all missed a handful of games. So I disregarded them when making this pick. Matthew Stafford absolutely bombed this year. He, he made people stick their heads in trash cans. <laughs> but he also missed half the season. So I give him a break, too. For me, as the biggest underachiever at quarterback, it's a toss-up between two middle-round quarterbacks we were drafting in August, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Both were drafted inside the top 10, neither finish, finished as such. Rogers was the QB 13, as I mentioned before, Wilson the QB 16 on the year. However, Aaron averaged nearly a point less per game than Russ. His 14.8 points per game was the lowest among top 20 quarterbacks this year. He never once exceeded 300 passing yards in a game, not a single game over 20 points this year. He didn't lose you many games, but he certainly did not win you a single week. Aaron Rodgers was the definition of a mediocre play in fantasy football this year. He only had one three-touchdown game on the season. It's not what you expect. No, and
1: uh, even with the rookie receivers, although I think that there, he's been talking about going somewhere else already, like as, as he does every year. And if he stays in Green Bay, I think that he'll be better in the following fantasy football season. Um, definitely going to finish as a QB one once those receivers get more footing in the NFL. But if he goes somewhere else, that's something to watch. There's a lot of teams that are vying for a quarterback. Like, for example, the Raiders. What if Aaron Rodgers went down and paired up with Devontae Adams again? There's chances for him to just – he can go anywhere that is in need of a quarterback that has great receivers. If you were a Raider, I'm taking him top five. Again, I'm not – I'm throwing this last season out of the window.
0: Star players have so much leverage. You think about it. He threatens to retire if they don't give him 200 million dollars last mm-hmm. year and bring back Devonte Adams. Well, he gets his money that keeps him quiet. He has a no trade clause, I believe, in that in that contract. Yeah. But now he's in such a high leverage position because he is a conductor of the offense. Because he's Aaron fucking Rogers. He can do whatever he wants. I would give him my kidney. <laughs> but now, now he can demand whatever he wants. You know what I'm saying? He, he can go to Denver. He can go to Seattle. He can go to any team he wants because he's Aaron Rodgers. He can take your kidney. He can take my lungs. He can do anything he wants. It looks like he's on acid for half the games.
1: <laughs> it does.
0: Red eyes and everything. <laughs> Anyways, let's go to running back. Who was your biggest overachiever at the running back position for the 2022 fantasy football season?
1: I again think this is an obvious pick because the guy finished as the RB3 on the season. Um Josh Jacobs drafted as a very low end RB2. Um in the offseason you and I both talked about yes there's possibility for him to be fantastic with the hopefully improved offense with Uh, Devontae Adams coming to town and that ended up being the truth we we did not see any sort of decrease in volume from him if anything there was a huge bump Um, more carries than last season he had 1650 1650 rushing yards um, coupled with 53 receptions for 400 yards so he had a 2000 all-purpose yard season um, 12 touchdowns no receiving touchdowns oddly enough but just absolutely bowled out in his contract year he needed to have a good year someone's going to pick him up whether it's the raver Raid, sorry raiders or another team he, he looks fantastic he looks like one of the best running backs in the nfl and he's proven a lot of people wrong who were saying that he doesn't pass the eye test in his first couple seasons and then he he really scared us to be in the season playing in that preseason game uh everyone was thinking that mcdaniel's coming over from New England was going to run a running back by committee kind of thing there. It ended up not being the case whatsoever. There was no Brandon Bolden, or I don't even remember all the guys' names. I had like five running backs to start the season
0: Amir and Abdullah, Kenyon Drake,
1: all of there them. There was the rookie. I forget his uh, name. Zamir
0: White. yeah. Zamir
1: White. Yeah. Yeah. I put out his name because he didn't touch the field.
0: You ready for the Wagner fact of the day? Let me hear it. Josh Jacobs has 160 career receptions without a touchdown that is the second most receptions all time without finding the end zone for running backs no all positions <laughs> I wonder crazy. if
1: Kobe Myers is number one you <laughs> went like three years without a touchdown as a number one receiver
0: he's not inside the top 25 but that is not saying he doesn't find the end zone too often yeah. I will agree with you there my slammer pick at running back, biggest overachiever in my eyes, based off of where he's drafted, where he finished. Um, mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs is probably like the MVP for overachievers because of how high he finished. He went from that borderline flex range to top dog uh, at the position. But my guy is Jamal Williams, drafted as a RB 49. Many had his backfield companion, DeAndre Swift, inside the top 10 running backs. Well, Williams finished as RB 13, Swift not even close. Uh, Granted, he was in and out of the lineup, but he still only missed three games, and he finished as an RB 21. Let's get back to Jamal Williams. We were all mesmerized by the upside and talent of Swift, and we neglected Jamal Williams' role as a bruising goal line back. I didn't watch hard knocks, but I caught ends of the buzz, of Williams as a great leader and an important part of the offense. People will look back at Jamal season and try to discredit it and say it was a fluke because Swift was hurt. But like I said, he only missed three games and two of them were Williams most or least productive games of the season. He had Mm -hmm. six multi touchdown games this year and he led the league with 17 end zone visits, hit the 1000 yard mark for the first time in his six year career Was a bet one of the best returns on investments. Now, do you think it was a fluke or do you think this is something that we're going to see repeat next year? I
1: I want to look up and just see what teams had the most like goal line, one yard line place this season because it has to be the Lions. Because every touchdown that Williams scored was a one yard just bury into the end zone and he had 17. So I, I wouldn't say it's a fluke, that is his role, but. I, I just felt like there was an unreasonable amount of one-yard attempts for this offense, like receivers getting tackled on the one- or the two-yard line. That's just, all right, Williams is going to score a touchdown here. Happened 17 times this season. I it's, They had to have had one of the highest attempt amounts in the uh, in the NFL this year. from. from
0: well, I can tell you Jamal had 57 touches inside the red zone, second most among running backs, and he had 22 goal-line touches. I'm, I'm not sure what's classified as a goal line touch. I think within two yards, that's a classification, but it's just an exceptional year from the guy. And he, he's someone that if you drafted, you may be drafted with your last pick. He, mm-hmm. he wasn't coming off the board at all. Many people are writing him off because we were looking at the shiny new toy in Deandre Swift, but no, the veteran got it done. And I'm intrigued to see how long Of a career he has. I mean, he touched about 262 times on the ground this year. He never once eclipsed 153 prior to this season, so I guess time will tell.
1: Okay, I will move on to my bust of a running back this season, and I would love to pick on this guy. Um, Joe Mixon drafted as the RB7, finishes the RB10, but that doesn't tell the full story. His 55.5 touchdown game um, without a doubt skews his average. Um, take that out, he finishes a very low end RB2. Um, I don't understand why he's bad, but he is. The offense, he received a ton of volume. We I had it's been my philosophy that this offense should be a run first offense despite having burrow and two great receivers. If you run first, you can really open it up. And they try to. He got a ton of volume this season when he was healthy. He just couldn't do anything with it. He—it's not like he wasn't involved in the offense. He just had a very low yards per carry, um, three point nine. That's the nausea of last season, and everybody hated on him for that. Um, you don't like that in your running back, and when like thirty percent of your points comes from one performance, you're going to be disappointed the rest of the season. So don't let the RB ten finish fool you when you're looking at where players finished in a couple in seven months when the season's about to start. Don't look back and say, oh,
0: Joe Mixon was a top 10 running back. He really wasn't other than one game. You take that back. I am standing up for Joe Mixon. 60 receptions. That's phenomenal. You want that out of a running back. But he also topped 17 points, 16.8 points, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six other times throughout the year. I understand that the 55 point performance was an outlier and that pulls up his average quite a bit, but he still was fairly solid. I mean, look where he finished. Look where he drafted. If you put that in a vacuum, it doesn't look so bad. uh Outside of that 55-point game, he would average 13.2 points. So he's just as much of a bust as Najee Harris, and Najee didn't have a 55-point game, uh, did he? Now,
1: no, he did not, and I'm I'm. I'm not saying Najee wasn't a bust this season, (laughs) but I listen, as a Joe Mixon owner for the beginning of the year, I was very frustrated. Um, He was just inefficient again, and he shouldn't be. The offensive line was improved. They really turned it on at the end of the year, and you can see his average go up a little bit uh, near the end of the season, a couple games over six yards per carry. But uh, are you going to be taking him above guys like Kenneth Walker and – Josh Jacobs and Najee even, and Swift. I'm taking all of them above Mixon
0: next year. I'm taking Mixon over Najee and Swift, that's for sure. Kenneth Walker, maybe. Uh, that's, a, that's a strong debate. Uh, I would probably lean Walker right now. However, look where Joe Mixon's at. He's in a, an elite offense that isn't depreciating at all. If not, they're going to just continue to get better and better. I mean, they're a very young group of talented stars, you don't think that Joe, even though he's 26, which is fairly old for a running back, he's entering his seventh year now. But still, I mean, he he's still in the prime of his athletic ability as an adult man in the Cincinnati Bengals offense. I'm standing up for him. I think he's going to continue to be a solid RB1 in fantasy football.
1: I, I'll leave it at this. I don't like, one run, like a running back that has one 100-yard rushing game the entire season, and it was that big game.
0: We'll see. Time will tell. I'll I pick know. on another big dog, but he kind of sure. got injured, so I, I don't know how far I'll go down this rabbit hole. But Jonathan <clears> Taylor, throat> throat> he missed six games, including the last three. He played just one drive in week 13. But when he was on the field and healthy, he was not the reigning fantasy MVP Jonathan Taylor that we drafted. Taylor's 4.6 yards per touch rank or yards per touch mark was 37th among running backs and was 1.2 yards less than the year before. He found the end zone just four times after finding it 20 the year before. In games that he played all four quarters, he scored less than 11 points more often than he did not. It's a disappointing season that hopefully behind him i hope he doesn't continue to have these ankle injuries and woes drafted as rb1 finished as rb33 next year how early are you willing to draft him
1: i'm gonna still take i think that they end up with cj stroud or bryce young the colts they should so i do think that there's matt ryan was just god awful and then um oh i'm blanking the the backup i forget his name Colts, or like, Yellinger. Yellinger, yes
0: hold on where um, where do, what pick do the Colts have I
1: don't know off the top of my head I really haven't watched like looked at many mocks yet but I think they have a top like five pick there's a they couple I know I, the situation is there's a few teams in front of them like the Bears for example that don't need a quarterback um right. so Stroud or or young is isn't gonna go and probably one of them will make it back to the Colts but anyways, I have bittersweet emotions towards Jonathan Taylor. Like I I traded for him in two leagues in week 10. And granted, I had four leagues that I really cared about. And two of them I traded for Taylor. I spent nothing on him. I got him in week 10, 24 points, 16 points, 19 points, 14 points. I'm like, oh, here we go. I got him at the right time. Injured week one of the fantasy playoffs. Just terrible, 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 terrible. So I am not going to hate on Taylor I, I thought he was I I wanted to acquire him mid-season um exactly for the reason that he is a freak athlete and going to be a great running back I think he'll be fine next year I am I'm, I'm really not expecting a season like this again he'll stay healthy he's never been injured until this season
0: I'll put him in the low end RB1 range it, it depends what they do in the draft and how intact their line stays and if that group gets a little healthier as well there was guys in and out for them, and it definitely impacted how he performed this year. Mm-hmm. Your biggest overachiever at the wide receiver position. All
1: right. Um, Tyler Lockett is my overachiever this season. Well, uh, when is the wide receiver 38? Finishes the wide receiver 13. Now, if he didn't have a miss a few games due to a broken finger. At the end of the season he would have finished as a wide receiver one as he was the majority of the season floating around the wide receiver six to nine range then he missed a couple games with the broken finger i i really didn't expect this to happen i mean we talked about it with gino earlier and no one expected him to even start let alone have a amazing season that he did um i think that Lockett is the best receiver best route runner hands down with the best hands as well in the seahawks offense DK Metcalf is a great red zone target, but Lockett scores touchdowns. Like the dude has his fourth consecutive thousand yard season. I think that he'll continue to produce. What do he finish with? He finished with nine touchdowns on the year, missing a couple games. Um, I don't expect any sort of regression next year. He's still in his prime. He's only 30 years old. I know that's getting to the teetering point for wide receivers. It's usually like 32. Like look like at Keenan Allen and D Hop. They're both 31, 32 years old. They're still great. I think that Tyler Lockett can still be great. He's not that kind of guy that takes crazy hits. He's a, He avoids contact. He gets open. I wouldn't expect any sort of drop-off next season. And I think I'd take him over Metcalf if I was in a, in a vacuum again next year.
0: Tyler Lockett has the fifth most receiving touchdowns over the last five years. Been quietly one of the most consistent wide receivers in fantasy football finishing each of the last five years between wide receiver eight and 17. Just a phenomenal player, really. Yeah. My biggest overachiever at wide receiver is another guy that's kind of in a one-two punch for claiming to be one of the best wide receiver duos in the league. That's Devontae Smith. Smitty, drafted as a wide receiver 37, back-to-back with Lockett. Finished as a wide receiver nine on the year. And people were running away from Smitty when AJ Brown was acquired. Despite having a promising rookie year, nobody thought the former Heisman winner could progress with an alpha receiver in the year or in the room, rather, ish. And his first game of the year proved his doubters right, correct? Uh, Four targets, Mm -hmm. zero catches. It looked like, wow, this guy just doesn't belong on the field in this offense. He's definitely getting bodied by AJ Brown in the locker room. After practice, but then we witness an exceptional season from Devonte Smith fielded eight plus targets in his last nine games of the year, eclipsed 13 and a half points, 12 times and was a wide receiver five over the back half of the year. Excellent player. I'm really excited about where his trajectory is pointing. He could be an elite fantasy receiver for the next half decade, decade. I don't know. Yeah. Time will tell. I, See, it's frustrating. I mean, he's great, and we were
1: right. We were projecting him to have a good season um, heading into the air. We were were even going as far to say we would take him over A.J. Brown. Now, that ended up being the wrong choice, but you'd be happy with a top-12 receiver, a wide receiver one, um, despite um, choosing him over Brown. But the great thing for the Eagles, frustrating for fantasy, is that Smith is on his rookie contract, and A.J. Brown's on a big contract, obviously. So they're they not in a position where they have to get rid of one of these guys anytime soon. So it's going to be a couple of years of this duo. I don't know how long A.J. Brown's contract, contract is off the top of my head, um, but I, I'm sure he has at least two to three more years in Philly. And that, it, it's, it's great because they're both great, and they've proven that they can both perform as top ten receivers. But it's really nice to be able to see Smith on his own. It, it, that'd be cool, I think, um, for fantasy just add another great receiver with an offense to himself.
0: I think he thrives off AJ Brown though. I mean, you see this whole Philadelphia pass attack revolve around both of them. Both of them were targeted over a quarter of the pass attempts in this offense. They combined for something like 55% of the team's targets, just an absurd amount of volume. I mean, 136 targets, you're really not going to get many more, even with a, uh, receiving room to yourself. I really like where Smitty is. I on the other hand hope he stays in Philadelphia with another star receiver like AJ Brown. I think that's gonna be where he's optimal at. However, we won't know until he's in his own offense, right?
1: That's true. I one thing with the Eagles real quick. Miles Sanders becomes a free agent this year. I think that guy is, without a doubt, one of the most slept-on running backs in the NFL. And depending on where he goes, he's going to be one of the biggest sleepers of the season.
0: Yeah, I feel like he's, I don't want to say replaceable in that offense, because he is a very good running back. I'm not trying to discredit him. In fact, I think he's an elite running back. However, that Philly offensive line and the whole run game thriving off of Jalen Hurts' legs as well, it would be interesting to see what another starter, starting running back would do in that offense if they would produce relatively similar to Sanders or not.
1: Yeah, it would, it would be similar. The, the offensive line will let anybody produce. It's just the second, the next level speed that Sanders has. I, I forget the statistic, but he's got like whatever it is in the past three years, the most touchdown runs over like. Forty-five yards or something like that. Um, so, more of the story: he breaks away from defenses. A lot of running backs can't do that. Um, so, I, 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 I'm I, super excited to see where he lands.
0: Your most disappointing wide receiver of twenty twenty two? Ah, uh, yeah, I just hate DJ
1: Moore. Like, I hate <laughs> him. Uh, drafted as the wide receiver fourteen, uh, finishes as the wide receiver twenty four, and I, I drafted him last year too as my wide receiver three, and. I i hate him like i hate him he had a couple good games two seasons ago with Darnold to start the year thought he was gonna be great then he sucked um this year he like sucked the majority of the time then he didn't suck for like a few games then he sucked again um he needs a quarterback we all thought in the offseason this was where we were at in the offseason okay baker mayfield's coming to the team now it's no more like sam donald pj walker bullshit um, everybody was like, okay, Baker, he can support a wide receiver one, but he hasn't in his past. He didn't support OBJ. He OBG had one good season with the Browns. Um, I, I don't know what this tells us. I think it tells us that there really is no answer for whether a receiver will perform better or for worse with a quarterback change. They like look at Adams and Hill, they were great, and then look at Moore and Pittman, they sucked (laughs) like I don't know what it is and those more and Pittman are not Tyreek and Devontae Adams level receivers but they're very good receivers in their own so I think this just tells us don't be too bullish on a wide receiver that you think is great entering a quarterback change whether it looks good or not and then look at Lockett and Metcalf they both had great seasons and we expected their quarterback to get worse so like quarterback changes I think are a little too – I think it's something we focus on too much in the fantasy community and kind of have to just let it play out. Draft them where it feels right. Don't don't get too high on a guy because of a quarterback change.
0: They're all over the place, these changes. I mean, you yeah. saw DeAndre Hopkins. Well, actually, he's not the new one, but Hollywood Brown. Absolutely. Yeah, he, he thrived with Kyler. A.J. Brown thrived with Jalen Hurts. Uh, Cooper Cup, a year ago, thrived with Matthew Stafford. Yeah, but you also have to think about how many of the ones that we forget about because they shit the bed on us. Cortland Mm -hmm. Sutton being a prime example. Devontae Adams, I guess, thrived this year with Derek Carr. I don't know. We'll have to do the research, and we'll have to compile a list from both sides because the forgotten ones are the ones that performed horridly. I think Uh, if you're
1: elite, you're elite. Yeah, like the guys that
0: we just said, like, hey, Tyree Kale, hey, a lot of new guys and new offenses this year. Yeah, I'm going to pick on another mid-wide receiver. Oh, hold on, DJ Moore. Uh, let's also not forget uh, the store or the lesson to take away from that is Baker Mayfield is not a reason to draft a guy <laughs> as a top 15 wide receiver. I, I couldn't agree more. Why why do like why did all of us flock on DJ Moore? I mean, the needle didn't I've move been a a whole baker lot. hater forever, too. <laughs> I know the needle didn't move a lot for me personally, but I still like bumped all his projections of why on earth did we as a fantasy football community think Baker Mayfield was going to be the second coming of Christ for DJ Moore's fantasy outlook?
1: I think it's just because we we know how bad Sam Darnold is. We were like Baker has to be better than this. But no, no, that wasn't the truth.
0: Hold my beer. All right, (laughs) I'm going to pick on another wide receiver two being drafted in the middle rounds that a lot of guys had really high expectations for this year. That's Brandon Cooks. He was drafted as a wide receiver 20 in August. He finished as a wide receiver 49. And what a disappointing year it was for him. High expectations, wide receiver one for Davis Mills. Many in the Houston organization thought, that Cooks's veteran status would help Mills develop into a franchise quarterback, but that never came into fruition. Frustrations boiled over midseason after the tri- trade deadline passed. Cooks was still in a Houston uniform. He sat out that Thursday night game a day after the deadline. He was very verbose about his desire to be traded. He never got his act together. Davis Mills weaved in and out of the lineup because now it is very vivid that he is not a starting caliber quarterback in the league. And Brandon Cook's owners were screwed out of a consistently great fantasy receiver. I mean, you look at his impressive track record, his wide receiver 20, 16, 13, 15, 9, 13. His career finishes have been excellent except for his rookie year and his last year in L.A., uh, which was turmoil because much of the same. Yes. Uh, But Cook's finished as a top 36 receiver in just three weeks this year. That is just awful. And I'm sorry if you drafted Brandon Cooks because he was one of the most highly coveted mid-round wide receivers during the offseason, but he was very lackluster and he was the biggest underachiever at wide receiver for me.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not worried about him next year, though. I mean, he's already requested a trade. We, we saw him sit out of uh, multiple games this year with a quote-unquote thumb injury. He didn't have a thumb injury. He just didn't want to play for the Texans. I don't blame him. Um, he sacrificed the game check for it. I think he's got enough money being in the league this long anyways. But depending on where he goes, he's been a great receiver his entire career. I I would expect him to fit, to go right back into that category of being one of the top receivers 1200 yards, 10 touchdowns, whatever, 8 touchdowns. I think is closer to his average. But yeah, there's a lot of teams looking for receivers in this offenses. Again, the Bears, uh I think would be a great spot for him. Um really not concerned. I the Texans are just the dumpster fire league like guy. I, I don't blame him.
0: It's for me it's very dependent on where he goes and how the whole free agency period mm-hmm. unravels itself. He's 29, he'll turn 30 over the off season. I could see two directions for Brandon Cooks. His path is either going to go to the right and he's going to join a good team with a good quarterback and maybe not even a good team, but he's going to be partner with a good quarterback and it's he's going to remind us that he is Brandon Cooks, who we thought he was all along. He's a very underrated wide receiver and still one of the most talented or he, it doesn't matter where he goes. And say he's on a dumpster fire team and he's just going to be completely irrelevant from here on out. I can see it going either or he's either full of himself or he's going to prove us wrong and that he is still the excellent playmaker he is. But again, that's another thing that is very dependent on how the offseason plays out. I bet you he'd just sit out if he didn't get any good offers team wise and quarterback wise. I would imagine three months from now, C.J. Stroud gets drafted by the Indianapolis Colts, and Brandon Cooks is on a one-year deal with them. What do you do?
1: Pittman, Pierce, that's a pretty scary offense. I know.
0: Can't ask for much more as a rookie quarterback being drafted inside the top five. That is very safe. Last position, who's your biggest overachiever for the tight end position? My, my boy, TJ Hawkinson. I, When I left our Wagney
1: Warzone draft with Hawkinson on my team, I was like, oh, like why did I do that? Because I, around uh, seven and eight, I took him and Brady back-to-back when I could have gotten more receiver depth or uh, running back depth even at that point. There were still some guys that ended up doing great, like John Wall Williams, for example. But I took Hawkinson and Brady back-to-back picks. I was the 11th pick. Um, I I can't say I have any regrets at this point. Um, To start the season, I was like, "Oh God, Hawkinson's going to do exactly what he did last year. He's going to have a couple good games, and then he'll just be irrelevant." Um, But that wasn't the case. Once he got traded in Week Nine um, to the Vikings, he made an immediate impact. He led or uh, was second in the team in targets and receptions once he was acquired and he led them in red zone targets once he was acquired he was an integral part of this offense down the stretch um 2b2 on the season um i forget what was he drafted uh or tight end two on the season sorry uh drafted as the tight end eight just blew expectations out of the water with that trade and i know that's not anything you can predict but it definitely benefited him fantasy wise i would expect him to go as a top Three tight end next year i i think we could agree on that assuming kirk cousins is still a viking
0: three or four he's he's gonna be up there for it's sure Andrews, and,
1: kelsey and and kittle i guess
0: yeah kittle is probably still up there uh, uh I, i'm not even gonna say kyle pitts name he's, <laughs> he's not worth discussion but yeah you're right once he got acquired to minnesota he was very consistent down the stretch He never really had a dud week until week 18. He had three games in the single digits, but they were high single digits. And we're talking about the tight end position in 2022. It was absolutely God awful. I think only five tight ends total averaged over 10 or scored over 170 points in the year. So they average over 10 points per game if they were to play the whole season. You saw Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz go down as well. Those guys had, had fairly successful seasons when they were healthy. But, yeah, terrible position to draft a mid-round or even high-caliber pick. Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, Dalton Schultz, all, all of them really sucked to pick. Not a good return on that I investment. can make
1: excuses for Schultz, but the others, no.
0: Right. And TJ, though, point being, was he was a phenomenal pick this year. Uh, if you drafted him, you got you got a top two tight end and he wasn't you didn't pay the price for a top two tight end. No. Uh, it's a great return on investment. I'm going to go a little deeper down the draft boards. And Evan Ingram is my overachiever for the tight end position. He's drafted as a tight end 20, finished as a tight end five. It, I just got on a rate tier, tier about the tight end position being abysmal. It was. This pick was really hard to select someone outside of TJ Hawkinson, really, but Mm -hmm. it's Evan Ingram. He did set career highs with 73 receptions, 766 yards in his first season in Jacksonville. The former meme was inconsistent along with all other tight ends, not named Travis Kelsey. He finished as a top 12 weekly tight end seven times highlighted by a monster 39 point showing in week 14. Mm -hmm. Is this a fluke? Again, we talked about Jamal Williams making the huge jump. Can this be sustained? Do we see Evan Ingram as a top 10 tight end in 2023?
1: I don't think it's a fluke at all. We're like The beginning of the season, he had some good games, some bad games. He's a tight end, and it was his first year in the offense. Bye. They have their bye week. He, has, he, he leaves the game early. Um, I'm pretty sure he left that game early. Uh, has one catch, four yards. Then... Weeks 13 to 16, he averages over 20 a game for four weeks straight. He wins you your first week in playoffs. Um, probably loses your championship if you were in a situation that your tight end would lose it for you, though. That's your own fault. Um, I think that other than his rookie season, like he was bad in in New York, um, but he had like the best rookie season for a tight end of all time. Um, and then they just stopped using him. They didn't use him as a wide receiver like they should have, they kind of use him as a hybrid role here in, um, in Jacksonville and the coaching change with Doug Peterson, like the, the Jags have obviously figured something out as they're heading into the second round of playoffs right now. Um, I would expect Ingram to maintain a heavily utilized role in this offense moving forward. I think he's the number two target going forward behind Christian Kirk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that game in Week 12 where he had one catch. He didn't leave early. That's just something. That's just something he does. I mean, he he did it five times. Five times this year, he caught one ball. It's just the duality of owning EE double E. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know he left one game early. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> he
1: have left one game early at some point, but it could have been any of the poor tight end performances.
0: Doug Peterson knows what to do with tight ends. I mean, you saw it happen in Philadelphia. Mm. Think Ertz. Goddard. Think Ertz. Think Selleck. Brent Selleck. Brent Although I don't, know, sure. I don't know if he was still on the team during yeah. the title run. I think he was. Um, mm. But Evan Ingram, yeah, sure. Why not? Top 10 tight end in 2023. Let's yeah. finish this up with your most disappointing tight end. Biggest underachiever of the 2022 season. Uh, I think I mean this is a toss-up because every tight end underachieved but
1: Mark Andrews is a good pick because he was consensus tight end two Um, in the offseason heading into draft season he did not finish as a tight end two he finished as the tight end four and you might not think that's terrible but a lot of that is inflated similarly to how I talked about Joe Mixon Mark Andrews balled out to begin the season he had Four games over 20 points, which is great for a tight end in the first six weeks. Um, playing fantastic. Lamar goes down. Utilization drops. He has two game, one game over 12.3 points from week 11 and on. Um, and it happened to be in the fantasy championship. So if you made it that far with him, you were happy because you finally got some return on investment there in the championship game where it all mattered. But he was a disappointment.
0: Yeah, look at the stretch between week 13 and 16, mm-hmm. Nine, four, six, seven. not right. a good year, uh, certainly not the worst among elite tight ends, and that's where I'm going to spin off at. My b- biggest, most underachieving tight end this year was Kyle Pitts, drafted as a tight end three, finished as a tight end 33, and yes, he did miss the last seven games of the season or whatever with the season-ending injury. But this guy stinks. I'm picking on him because he just sucked when he was on the team. He was terrible. He went down for the count in week 11. So you had 10 weeks to assess just how impactful Kyle Pitts was. And during that time, he still ranked as a tight end 19 on the year when he got hurt, averaging less than three catches and 36 yards per game. He scored in the single digits in 70% of his games this year. He was terrible and he's, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, he had the best uh, or the most yardage for a rookie tight end. I think in NFL history, he eclipsed a thousand yards and many people expected him to go to the moon this year. He's just 22 still. Where do you rank him among tight ends next year? I rank
1: him where he's finished the season, unless he (laughs) is a quarterback. Um, Joke, obviously, but I'm not picking him above guys like Ingram, even. Like, there's plenty of tight I'd take over Kyle Pitts until they can figure out their quarterback situation. Um, I'm not going to play devil's advocate, but I will say it is hard performing an offense that throws the ball like 15 times a game, yeah. Uh, and that's what he dealt with for those 11 games that he did appear in, or 10 games that he did appear in. Uh, but yeah, other than I think you can blame I don't think it's a skill issue. I think the when he had a 1,000 yards, it was with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is far better than Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota, even in his old age. Um, he's capable of sitting, into, sitting in a pocket for a split second, making a throw. Um, Ritter and Mariota are not. And Arthur Smith ran with a run-first mentality this season. They'd be running the ball when they're down 30. Um, didn't make any sense, but that's what they did, and Kyle Pitts suffered because of it. That's all I have on Kyle Pitts, really.
0: Yeah, I'm not standing up for him. Uh, The the guy just flat out stinks. Yeah, I agree. He's a Falcon, so screw him. He's roadkill that needs cleaned up, but the state will not send their construction workers to pick it up. And so he is just decomposing on a four-lane highway right now. Do construction workers pick up roadkill? I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe feed it to their kids. Or I do like built things. Uh, m- no. Maybe some in the building department, others in the dead animal picking up right. sector of the business. Big gover- government scheme, you know. You learn something new every day. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. That's going to be all we have today. Through this offseason, we're going to reevaluate when, it's best to include what information. So if you have any suggestions on what you want to hear and when, say draft prep in March, uh, dynasty valuations throughout the offseason, let us know. You can connect with us on our socials, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. Those are our most prominent ones at the handle at Wagme Fantasy, W-A-G-M-I Fantasy. and contact us there. We also have an email, if you're very regal, football at WagmeFantasy.com. And also, nonetheless, visit our website at www.wagmyfantasy.com. Subscribe to our newsletter there. It's going to undergo a change here soon to bring you much more relevant fantasy information throughout the offseason. Nick, sayonara.
1: Sayonara.
0: And I would just like to
1: add, there is no offseason in fantasy football, if... If you are committed, you are listening to podcasts and doing your research in June like I am in March, in May, in April, every month of the year. I haven't slept since the season stopped. I'm (laughs) way ahead. I'm already recruiting. All right, guys.
0: See ya.